As the world waits for the outcome of the US presidential election, investors are right to be nervous. Last week saw global markets spiral downwards on the back of uncertainty around the election result and heightened restrictions amid a rise in the number of COVID cases in Europe. Some analysts say that political risk is now a major issue for investors because markets respond far more aggressively to political outcomes than they did before. So how should investors position their portfolios in these uncertain times? Is now the time for change or should they adopt a hands-off approach and let the market reaction play out? And how much difference does a Biden win or a Trump win really make? Welcome to Pocketful of Dirhams. I'm Alice Hayne from The National and joining me today is Sami Shah, Chief Economist at Lombard Odia, who is going to guide investors through the days ahead. Welcome to the show, Sammy. Thanks, Alice. Thanks for having me. This is a really exciting time for all of us. There's so much going on in the global economy anyway with the backdrop of coronavirus. So why are the markets so centred on this election? Well, simply because it has huge implications uh, compared to a normal election, which usually gathers a lot of attention. Here, I would say the election is uh, a bit specific. You have very different programmes, very different implications, very different uh, political identity uh, function of the um, uh, of who will get the White House. Uh, there is plenty of uncertainty also around who might get the Senate. And therefore, considering uh, how important the implications can be, it does create uh, a lot of uh, uh, nervousness in, in, in the market. So in the past, presidential elections were fought very much on the centre ground, while this one seems to be, as you say, kind of much more flying off to the extreme. So is this partly just to keep voters happy? Well, the implications are very different from one candidate to the other. Uh, Maybe Biden is seen as someone that is still around the centre, but obviously Trump is a much more extreme character and his programme is relatively extreme as well in the sense that it's all about America first. And America first maybe means positive things for the United States, but it means a tougher environment for the rest of the world. And this is why you know global markets are looking at this election, considering that it can have uh, pretty tough implications when it comes to uh, global business conditions, and, and especially when it comes to global trade. What kind of economic policies will they pursue that, you know, you're talking about very different policies. So how how do they differ exactly? Well, let's take with the easy one, which is basically the Trump case. It's easy because uh, we went through it in the past four years uh, and more intensely in the past two years. And that, again, I think the Republican program is very direct. It's about, again, promoting America first, probably not only. The idea is America first, but also at the expense of the rest of the world. So you want to put pressure uh, on the rest of the world to make sure that basically the U.S. does uh, uh, better. So that means that uh, you put some pressure on your traditional allies like Europe. You uh, eventually impose tariffs or threaten to impose tariffs on German automakers, uh, French luxury goods. But you basically have the same strategy on the Japanese, the South Koreans, the Mexicans, the Canadians. So it's all about you know putting a, a bit of pressure on the rest of the world, a lot of pressure Uh, on China and trying to favor uh, business conditions for the US uh, as opposed to uh, the rest of the world. So again, very positive perhaps for the US and US assets, but a little bit more constrained for the rest of the world. Now, when you think about the implications of a Biden victory, uh, the implications are on a totally different level and they depend a lot 
on another very important outcome of the election is basically who gets the Senate. Uh, if we have Biden at the, at the White House and the Democrats that manage to uh, gain uh, back the Senate with a slim majority, it means that they will be able to push for the stimulus that they've been discussing in, uh, uh, in the past few weeks, which is a huge package of $2,000 billion, $2 trillion. So obviously, uh, you know, on the one hand, you have this America first strategy. And on the other hand, you have if the Democrats get the Senate, a big stimulus in the making. And that basically are the, the, the core implications here when it comes to the, uh, uh, to the implications and, and how financial markets interact in, in, in this context. So with that in mind, how will this affect the markets? I mean, the you know, investors have been very jittery over the last week. We've seen markets come down across the globe. So, you know, depending on this, these out, different outcomes, how will the markets be affected? You know, at first... The markets were relatively nervous at the idea that, uh, of a Biden victory, because obviously domestic U.S. business conditions might deteriorate with a, a Democrat win, as you will get more regulation and potentially higher taxes. However, uh, with the idea that if they get the Senate, the Democrats would push for a huge stimulus package, let me remind you that the $2 trillion I've just been discussing is, is above 10% of U.S. GDP. So that would kind of secure economic activity for the next two to three years. And so, you know, from being relatively nervous in contemplating a Biden victory, the markets have kind of shifted and are now, uh, you know, much more willing, basically, to, uh, 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 to, to, to view that Biden victory positively if and only if uh, the Democrats get back uh, uh, the Senate. So um, I would say the way markets would probably react is, you know, global markets would probably favor a Biden victory because of the stimulus and because of international business conditions and how it might improve trade. Um, but in the case of a Trump win, it's more about U.S. assets that would do better in this America first type of strategy, uh, U.S. markets, Dollar assets would probably tend to do better, whereas a, a Democrat would lead rest of the world assets potentially to outperform a bit. That's quite an interesting take on it all. And But it's not just the election that's been affecting markets recently, has it? I mean, obviously, the kind of tightening of restrictions across Europe and, and also COVID cases going up in the US, that's playing its part as well in the market jitteriness at the moment. Absolutely. I mean, the elections are uh, uh, happening in, in an environment of uh, extremely complicated sanitary situation, both in the US and in Europe. Uh, last week, obviously, the volatility had a lot to do with uh, cases increasing sharply in Europe and, and basically leading to further restrictions. So, you know, the volatility in markets really happened when we had no clue where Europe was uh, heading. Now we get a bit more visibility. Uh, it is indeed global lockdowns, but they are much uh, flexible, much more flexible than uh, uh, what we had in the first half of the year. So uh, markets are nervous, but they are not as nervous as they were in the first half of the year, as lockdowns are not as uh, stringent as they were in the first half of the year. And I would add to that that um, this is very specific to Europe, the fact that it's getting back into lockdowns. Uh, there are no such lockdowns in the U.S. Are they, as they are totally focused on the U.S. elections for now. And I would say at a time when Europe is shutting down, Asia is actually opening up. So the volatility in market is, is not as uh, um, uh, high as it was 
uh, in the ramp up of the first uh, wave. Uh, another thing that is mo moving markets already uh, or, or also is, is the earnings season, which is actually going relatively well, but there is always a bit of profit taking when, uh, uh, um, uh, when the earnings season unfolds, where you get companies reporting good results uh, from time to time. It's an opportunity to take a bit of profits. And I think those two things, the earnings season and the new cases raising in, 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 uh, rising in Europe, uh, explained last week's uh, volatility episode. So we're now coming into this week and we're kind of opening with you know, this flurry of, uh, you know, there's so much analysis going on at the moment around what's happening with the increased lockdowns. And then we're talking about the US election. So I have to ask you, if you're preparing portfolios now for a Biden win, what does that mean exactly? How are you positioning things now? There are two things that are part of the tilt. The first thing is whatever happens to the Senate, clearly... Uh, a Biden president would tend to improve global business conditions, not necessarily U.S. domestic business conditions. Again, he might increase taxes and increase regulation. But when it comes to global business condition, he, look, he, he will probably improve, at least at the margin, the global environment. And that would probably allow for some sort of a trade revival. You know, again, Thinking about uh, how Trump uh, pressured the Europeans with tariffs, with their budget for NATO, this is probably unlikely to come from a Biden administration. So he would be much more at peace when it comes to the traditional business partners, Europe, Mexico, Canada, uh, and, and Japan and, and, and South Korea. So, you know, no more threatening of tariffs on the European. He would probably uh, put the U.S. back into the Paris Accord. So, again, uh, a less heated uh, global uh, environment when it comes to uh, the relationship of the U.S. with their traditional trading partners. We could even, even imagine that although Biden is going to keep a tough stance towards China, he might reduce some of the outstanding tariffs, right? Not all of them, but maybe a small part. That, again, would probably improve uh, um, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the, the trade environment. So that would allow Asian assets uh, potentially to outperform uh, the equities of economies that are open economies, uh, economies very sensitive to trade, uh, as the ones you can find in Europe or in Asia, would probably tend to outperform. So slowly but surely, uh, we are tilting the portfolios into increasing the exposure of uh, these uh, trade-sensitive uh, assets. And if, I mean, big if, if Trump does surprise us again, what would you do in the reverse situation then? If he wins, what, how would you then position portfolios then? Well, that's pretty easy. You go for uh, domestic U.S. assets, U.S. equities, uh, U.S. corporates, dollar assets. It's going to be all about, you know, America first. So favoring uh, U.S. economic actors over uh, global economic actors. So it's all about, you know, favoring the U.S., uh, uh, and uh, uh, whatever is sensitive to, to U.S. growth dynamics, as opposed to a Biden victory where you could favor assets that are sensitive to you know, global business conditions. And then, of course, we've got the issue of the result being disputed. I mean, 
that can happen too. How would that play out and what effect would that have on how you position your financial portfolios? You've got a lot of scenarios you've got to think about at the moment. Indeed, there's a clear scenario uh, if we have a Biden win, especially if the Democrats get the Senate. There is a clear scenario uh, if we have a clear Trump win as well with with the America first strategy. Now, if it's contested, we're going to have potentially weeks and weeks uh, of uh, of volatility uh, before we eventually know the outcome. Now, uh, that might happen indeed. We'll see how close the uh, election is. It, it, it's also the reason why we have a diversified pocket of hedges in our portfolios. So when we think about you know, the hedges that can protect against volatility, uh, we always think of, uh, about you know, some government bonds, um, from more U.S. and Chinese government bonds, as European government bonds don't offer, do not offer protection anymore. It's about currency diversification. So having a bit of yen, uh, a bit of dollars, a bit of Swiss franc always helps in an environment uh, of volatility. Uh, it's about owning gold also, uh, which can act as a safeguard when, uh, uh, when there's uncertainty. Uh, and it, it's also about uh, having options, so option strategies that can protect uh, the volatility in, in markets. So I think we're in an environment where having only one single edge, which used to be treasuries uh, at the time, is no longer sufficient. We need to broaden and diversify the sources of, uh, of hedging. But in this context, we do tilt the portfolio one way or the other, but we always keep a pretty decent um, uh, pocket of diversified hedges uh, if something goes wrong. What about the dollar? I mean, how is the dollar expected to react to all of this? It's been a very strong currency over the past few years. So what can we expect now? Well, in in the case of the base case, uh, let's say a Biden win, uh, so we follow the polls and for once, eventually the polls uh, uh, get it right. Let's uh, uh, remind ourselves that the, the polls really got it wrong in 2016, uh, but we had an election since 2016. It was the midterm elections in the U.S. in 2018. Uh, the polls predicted a blue wave, and we got the blue wave. So let's keep in mind that the polls are not always wrong, although Trump is 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 pretty unpredictable. So uh, if we think about the base case of uh, a Democrat victory, where eventually international, not domestic, but international business conditions would improve, where we would get some form of revival in global trade, that would probably lead, not necessarily, it's not a huge negative for the dollar, but it would be a mild positive for the currencies of the rest of the world. I'm thinking, you know, Asian currencies, I'm thinking the Chinese renminbi, I'm thinking the euro, uh, probably as well in a context where we get some form of skinny deal when it comes to Brexit that would help the cable as well. So we could imagine uh, the pound sterling trading at something like 135 versus the dollar, the euro dollar trading at around 120. Uh, so an environment where we have a Biden win, which is favorable to the rest of the world, uh, would probably mean that you know the dollar would weaken somewhat versus global currencies. Global currencies would benefit. But what about economies as well? What about places like the UK and the Gulf region? How would they benefit from a Biden win? In in the case of the UK, I would say what is going to be absolutely center stage for the outlook is what happens to its relationship with Europe. So uh, do we get a skinny deal? What kind of deal? What will be the relationship between UK and its biggest trading partner, that is uh, uh, the European Union, in 2021 and and and, and onwards? So uh, I would say the UK environment is not totally dependent and sensitive to what happens uh, in in the US. 
Um, so so that, that again is, 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 has a lot to do with, with Brexit and it also has a lot to do with the management when it comes to the pandemic, the lockdowns, do they manage to uh, keep the epidemic under control or not? And eventually, if we get a vaccine somewhere in, in by the end of the year, but that can be distributed somewhere in, in 2021. So I would say in, in, in the scale of importance, the most important for the UK is what happens to Brexit, then what happens to the pandemic, and eventually, you know, uh, uh, of a lesser importance is basically what happens to, uh, to to the U.S. election. When it comes to the Middle East, there again, I mean, um, what happens to the U.S. is is of significant importance, but the most important, considering the still high sensitivity of the region on the oil price and oil revenues, what happens to the oil price is probably uh, much more important than, than eventually uh, uh, the, the U.S. election. And we're still in an environment where, you know, the oil price fails to recover, and that does put a lot of uh, uh, pressure on the region. So potentially, if, you know, we get a Biden win, some form of trade revival, we get a global cycle, and eventually the, the oil price picks up a bit, uh, that would be a, a net positive as well for the Middle East. Tough questions when it comes to oil remain really an environment where there are a lot of constraints. But, you know, these are still economies that haven't diversified enough. Some has been done, which is very positive, but much more needs to be done to diversify away the uh, energy good exports uh, uh, dependence. And I would say, thinking about the outlook, it has a lot to do with basically what's going to happen to, uh, uh, to commodities and the oil price. Now, what about investors? I mean, the average man sitting on the street wants to invest his money right now. I mean, what strategy should they take? Because the US has been a really great place to invest their money over the past few years. Is that something they should continue to do or should they adopt a new approach? Well, it's a fair point and, and partially, I would say. Now, let's think about 2021. You know, uh, for any investor, what should be, and it can be contested, and I'm happy to be challenged on that, but what should be the main working assumptions thinking about 2021? We actually have two. Uh, one is that at some point, we'll get a vaccine. I don't think this is being optimistic. When you look at you know, how um, the uh, uh, healthcare research has moved forward, when you look at uh, all the vaccines that are being tested currently, I think it's a high probability event that we will get a vaccine at some point that will help control, not make the epidemic disappear, but that will help control uh, the pandemic. And that is something for 2021. So that's an important working assumption. At some point in 2021, we get a vaccine and it helps keeping the pandemic under control. The second working assumption, as I've said, uh, in the case of a Democrat sweep, uh, which is relatively likely at this stage, we might get a $2 trillion package in the U.S., so our working assumption, thinking about 2021, are really about those two uh, elements, a vaccine and a big fiscal package out of the U.S. It means that you know, any volatility episode here should be uh, an opportunity to step back in markets, global markets, uh, I believe, as again, uh, any volatility at some point uh, will face the fact that the epidemic might be under control somewhere in 2021, and we will have a lot of policy support, not only the $2 trillion I've just discussed uh, about the US, but we have $750 billion come, uh, you know, that haven't been spent in Europe 
and that will be spent in 2021. So that policy support is a very important safety net when it comes to the global economy, when it comes to market. So we feel that you know any opportunity uh, to get back in the market, any volatility episode should be an excuse to uh, increase exposure. What we're facing right now is, in a way, you're kind of saying we should all be investing in the markets right now. This, you know, it's a good time to be in there. Indeed, uh, you know the way the way we invest is is never in one go. So uh, you always have to make it a gradual process. And I think, current uh, considering that we we've just seen a bit of volatility, you know, if you want to invest, let's say in four steps when you start reinvesting, uh, probably currently uh, you would be right to do the first step now today. Then function of how the US election go, if we have more volatility because it's contested or not, eventually it will be the opportunity to do a second step. And onwards, basically up to the end of the year, if there's a bit of volatility because of restrictions and and uh, uh, how markets can become fearful of the uh, economic implication, you do the third uh, uh, purchase. So the idea is to be gradual and eventually to start now. The National has a lot of followers who are what we call passive investors. They have a passive approach and they ignore all the news and they just invest on a regular basis every month or every quarter, no matter what's going on. Is that a strategy that works as well? I mean, you know, in all this chaos that we're seeing at the moment, just consistent, regular investing, no matter what happens. Sure. I mean, it depends, again, your risk tolerance and uh, your time horizon. If, if it's all about the next 10 years and if your investment horizon is really strategic and it's about uh, your life savings and how you want to protect your life savings and uh, how you want to grow your life savings through the, the coming decade, I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, thinking 10 years out, even though we're in a world where there are a lot of challenges, you know, between demographics and, and, and geopolitical risk, I mean, this is an environment that is going to be characterized by slow growth, very low inflation, uh, interest rates stock at zero, so very, very cheap cost of capital. And I would say mid-single-digit profit growth, thinking 10 years out. So this is an environment that is not unfavorable to entrepreneurs and big companies. This is an environment where I think profits will grow, maybe not at double digits, but they might grow uh, at, let's say, between mid and high a single digit. So uh, thinking the, about the 10 coming years, this is not an environment where I would like to be highly underinvested. Absolutely. And is there anything else that you think investors really need to be aware of right now? There's a lot happening this week. What, you know, what should they be thinking about right now? Thinking about the pandemic in Europe, thinking about the US elections, what we have to keep in mind is that you know, for now, uh, the lockdowns are less stringent than they were in the first half of the year. So you have a residual economic activity that can uh, be made. We have to keep in mind that this is not a global phenomenon. So, you know, in the first half of the year, everybody was locking down at the same time. So we had a total collapse in aggregate demand. Today, this is not the case. Asia is opening up. The U.S. economy is doing relatively well. We saw the third quarter GDP uh, extremely above expectations. Uh, the same was true in, in Europe as well, by the way. So th there is global demand going on and, you know, European factories, Middle Eastern factories will have to respond to that global demand. And the, the third point I would make is there is still a lot of stimulus around. So uh, whether it is from central banks and we'll have the ECB in action by the end of the quarter, we'll see, you know, what comes out of the US election if we have more stimulus there. But there is some monetary and fiscal support 
to, you know, even though the environment is challenging, um, uh, it doesn't have to turn into a major crisis at this stage. Well, that is a lot for us all to think about, but thank you very much for your insights today, Sammy. It's been my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you this week to Sammy Shah. If you would like advice on your personal finance issues, you can write to me on pf at thenational.ae. And remember, that's pf for personal finance. Please do subscribe to the podcast in your podcasting app to receive weekly updates and leave us a review so we know what you think. This episode was produced by Arthur Edison. I've been your host, Alice Hayes.